This is who you know. Today, uh, I bring you a conversation with a uh, drummer and uh, sound guy uh, about town, Elliot Dix, uh, about growing up in Columbus, Ohio, uh, playing in bands, and then uh, gravitating to, to Chicago, um, making a life here in and around music. Um, I've known Elliot now for over 30 years, and he's one of the sweetest guys I know. Um, I hope you enjoy this conversation. So, and I went to uh, CoPro and talked to uh, so, uh, Van Pelican. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brian is trying to do this event. It's like part of a cooking show thing. A what show? A cooking show. A cooking show? A cooking show. Brian, the bass player, is involved in that thing. I think he's like chef, chef, day job type of thing. Oh, really? Okay. And uh, so they, they, I don't know so those. They're trying to do like an event that ties into the show with comedians and the band. And huh. So I was out at the co-pro trying to like organize how everything would get set up. Are they going to cook a pelican as they play? Mm-hmm. On a spit or something? Right, that'd be really gross. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you eat pel- I don't think anybody eats pelicans. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. I never hear anybody talking about like that is a Seabirds in general don't only land birds, right? <laughs> yeah. Yard birds. Right. I don't know. Well no, t- ducks ducks are yeah. water yeah, birds. Well yeah. Maybe not seabirds. Yeah, not as Yeah, I guess there aren't sea uh, I don't know how that works. It's probably also they eat the uh, uh, fattier, yeah, plumper birds. Yes. Maybe like seagulls and pelicans aren't—they're too lean. They're not—they haven't been bred to be. Yeah. Probably chickens and turkeys have been bred. Well, yeah, the flightless like ones are easy. There you go. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're easier <laughs> to catch. Easier yeah. To catch. Plus, they're yeah, they're, they basically only exist to be well, ducks fly. Yeah. I always think about that. that they eat pigeons, right? They eat pigeons, right? Sure. Yeah, you can eat. Yeah, it's called squab. That's a that's a pigeon, <laughs> or like quail. You know, that's like quail. Right? All those little little birds. Really, quail or just the eggs? No, you can you can eat quail. Okay. Yeah. What's the one you shoot with the shotgun? Grouse. The famous grouse. Right. <laughs> like the. It's a scotch, famous grouse, I think. Uh, that's all, all that stuff that you won't eat. <laughs> I won't eat it. Did that start early? When did you start with the, the vegetarian? I became a vegetarian in the 80s. Oh, yeah? 80s. How come? Hey, what's up, man? How are you? Good to see you. How are you? Doing good? Good, good. We uh, did uh, uh, free food. In high school, we did free food at the Hare Krishna temple. Oh, and they're like, yeah, they're 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 they, they uh, basically like, hey, you want to watch a video about being vegetarian? They all watch a video. It's like we all became vegetarian like, suddenly. Oh, like animals being killed. Animals, that yeah, was, had yeah. the animals being killed. The slaughterhouses that had the diet for a small planet, kind of like yeah. scientific breakdown about the food chain, and yeah, resources. Yeah. It was actually hosted by William Shatner. Oh, I think you can watch it on YouTube. Yeah, but I was already kind of getting squeamish. I was kind of like getting yeah. like leaning in that direction. Yeah, I already sort of like thought some meat was gross. Uh, and I, I, I never went back. I'm not sure if my friends yeah. stayed or went back. I don't know. And that was where? That was in a, in Ohio? Columbus, yeah. In Columbus, yeah. So it would be like the Hare Krishna Temple for like the campus 
campus for the college. Yeah. yeah. College, yeah. Huh. You know, a few a few punk rockers dabbled in hanging out there. Yeah. Well, there's there's that that Husker do song, <laughs> the Hare Krishna song. <laughs> I mean, some bands like end up like kind of getting into the religion too. Like there were some uh, Fireside era bands like Shelter. Mm. They were like they they got. What's her face was a heart? Was she a heart? The uh, singer from X-ray Specs. Or Ooh, I don't know. No, not X-ray. Not X-ray. I think she she was in some some cult of that some kind like that, I'll look that up. at some point yeah i have a bunch there's of stuff a, i don't really know their backstory there's a yeah there's a documentary just came out like like earlier this year okay an interesting life her daughter made yeah a lot of mental mental health, mental problems yeah but i think she spent a bunch of time in those kinds of environments some sort of like faith based you know Weird culty kind of environments. Yeah. yeah. So did you did you grow you grew up in Columbus? Yeah. Like from I grew up on the campus. Oh really? Right across the street. Columbus is like basically there's like a main drag called High Street. Yeah. And on one side is all the university actual stuff. Yeah. On the other side there's some frat houses, like frat row and type stuff. And there's res- all sorts of residential stuff around it. A lot of it's like housing that's rented yeah. to students. But uh, I guess that's where the action was. So like my mom and dad like moved there when I was like one year old. Cause that's, you know. Did you work at the university or? My mom did not. My mom uh, uh, wanted to be a professional musician. Technically could have been, but was too like tied up in raising kids and working. Yeah. Uh, she was a trombone, well French horn. She studied in uh, high school and college. Trombone, piano. Uh, my dad was a photographer. He actually did teach a little bit. Mm. My mom, and then he ended up working at the police department, the photography department. Mm. My mom ended up getting into uh, typing. So she had all sorts of typing related uh, work. She ended up opening her own little shop, doing uh, desktop publishing. Back when the first like Macs came out with the oh, black and white screens, she had invested in a few of those and had a few employees. Uh, and she could, you know, type type super fucking fast. And she would uh, <laughs> be up all night long, like sometimes doing typing work. You know, she was a night owl. Mm. And she'd do court reporting typing. Like, you basically, the court reporters would give her these audio tapes. And oh, then she had to transcribe? She would transcribe yeah. them, into, and then they would need them in the morning. They'd need them the next morning. So she would get the tapes. Wow. After the court session, at night, she would type. It had the kind of like a, it was like a reel-to-reel tape machine with like a foot control mm. and headphones. And she was clackety-clackety-clack-clack typing out what she heard. Oh, the foot control would be to stop, like start and stop, pause, oh. yeah, whatever. Yeah. And uh, and she also was really good at typing uh, sort of like technical mathematical papers. Because my mom's really accurate, so she could yeah uh, type people's. Because back then, like college students didn't really have their own typewriters. Right. A little too early for everyone to have their own typewriter, and they no one had computers really, unless you were a computer. Computer yeah. type person. Yeah. So people would give her the stuff written out, and she would type it, so then I could turn in a typewritten, you know, yeah. very accurately typewritten thing. And she could also do technical stuff, even though she wasn't a mathematician. She was really good at accurately not making flubs. Yeah. You know? No, I mean when you know when I was 
at School of the Art Institute, I, I typed my papers on a typewriter yeah. in the early 90s. You know, like you still, people didn't really have, some people had computers already, but not, you, you'd, be, you'd have to be a computer nerd, you know, to have. Yeah, I mean, I, some of my friends were dabbling. My brother, my older brother was a computer nerd. Like, he yeah. was super into, like, uh, computers in the 70s. Yeah. We'd go down to the, the library downtown. Yeah. And he would use the computer. Yeah. Uh, they had like a, at that time, a really high tech computer. It was yeah. Commodore PET or Commodore PET. Mm. It's like it was 77 or 78. Mm. And uh, he would learn how to, I think it was basic was the programming language. Yeah, right. You saved your programs on actual cassette tapes, like mm. a cassette drive. Yeah. And, uh, and then he talked my mom into matching funds on buying a computer. Oh, wow. And uh, I think she thought, like, whatever. You know. and he actually went mobiles and, like, shoveled locks and all that stuff. And he came out with half the money. And my mom was, like, very shocked. Yeah. Yeah, but she ended up being able to scrape some money together to do it. And, uh, you know, his whole career now is, like, computer-related stuff. Yeah. Still at it? Still, Still at it. it. He actually comes to Chicago to Elk, Elk Grove Village every year. He's coming this uh, fall. For a vintage computer festival. Oh, really? And it's really just like a bunch of people like hobnobbing and trying to sell their stuff. Yeah. And, uh, it's like I, a swap I, meet. It's like a swap meet, yeah, and there's a little bit of programming, but uh, it's like in like a banquet hall at a hotel in the Burbs. Uh, I went last year, I brought a few people to check it out. You're welcome to come. Check it out. Uh, he brought, uh, when we were kids, he had his computer, his brand new computer. Mm hmm. And one of the programs they had on it was like a sort of Commodore version of uh, Space Invaders. Mm, yeah. So we fucking love to play Space Invaders. Like I'm just a couple years younger than him and my younger brother's a couple years younger than me. And we would play it, but basically use the same like Yeah, you use the key. keys. Yeah, on the keyboard. And he was yeah. really stressed out that uh, we would ruin his keyboard. Right. So he built, uh, he took like the end of a cigar box and he built this wooden thing and he ordered uh, mail order from somewhere like actual arcade buttons and figure out how to wire them to his motherboard oh so, so he made a joy like a primitive joystick well it was, it was a button only like but yeah, yeah but yeah the left and right and yeah. The firing yeah but, you know like you know in, in 78 or whatever how old was he like um 12 mm -hmm. <laughs> right 13 i don't know yeah i was like you know so you would have been what, like 10 or 11? <laughs> yeah. But he, he still, he brought that out last year. He brought out the actual Oh, oh he kept cigar it. Cigar box. Wow. Yeah, he still has it, yeah. My, my family were all like uh, collectors. Yeah. yeah. We get rid of almost nothing. <laughs> but, but the computer shit wasn't really, didn't catch you? Didn't capture your imagination? No, I, did, I didn't. I mean, I learned a little bit about, I could do some really, really, really basic computing programs. Yes. But, uh, I was more of an art kid, and then uh, um, I like kinda, visual art. Or? Yeah, visual art. Yeah, and then uh, I was, was going to be my trajectory. But then when I graduated from high school, I didn't really have a good place to go. I was like really kind of done in for like getting into New York somehow, mm. and uh, I couldn't make. Oh, it Oh, like to go to art school. Go to or art school. Yeah. I tried to you know get like the free the freebie ride at yeah. reunion and it didn't work out. And, Me neither. Uh, yeah, that's where I wanted to go. I, yeah. I didn't get in. And that's uh, my, why I went to Parsons. Yeah. Right. And my mom didn't have resources to yeah. uh, send me. Send yeah. Me yeah. And uh, like we weren't like poor, poor. Yeah. But we were like tight budget. Yeah. Tight budget. You know. 
Um, and Where did your brother go? The older, did he go to college or? My older brother went to Ohio State. Okay. Because it was super cheap. If you lived in Ohio. Right, if you were in state, so that would have been, yeah. So cheap. So like he went to Ohio State and, uh, but he was originally went into computers. Mm. But he already had like working, he was already working in the computer world. Yeah. Like out of, in high school even and mm. in early college. Yeah. So he pivoted and did stuff that he was interested in. So he studied archeology. span mm. uh, He learned uh, uh, to speak Greek. He went on some digs in Greece. Uh, and then he, I'm not sure exactly sure what else he was studying, but basically it was like, why am I learning to do something I already know how to do? Right. You know, because he was such, so obsessed with computers all through. Did he days. drop out or? No, no, he, he got, he, he, I don't think he went like for graduate school or anything. Yeah. But he, uh, he got like a degree in like archaeology and something else. Yeah. Um, but, you know, works, and, and now, now he's super into Linux. Mm-hmm. Like he was all over that Commodore stuff and then he went into super into Linux. Uh, and then he's like also into, you know, like he's like your like classic, like, you know, all the nerdy stuff he's into, like Star Trek. Oh, all like a kid. Yeah. You know, deep into the Dungeons and Dragons and then into LARPing. Yeah. Uh, all that stuff. He actually also he comes up up like, here. Yeah, well, like one of those, like a knight's costume. Like, did he have like the chainmail and stuff? Or all like my brothers, all <laughs> my brothers have made chainmail. I'm the only brother really? that never made his own chainmail. Wow, is yeah. that like a source of shame in your no, family? No, no, it's family? just like I. Well, then I pivoted into the, the music scene. So you, so when you weren't able to go to art school, is that when music started or? Yeah, because I was going to shows a lot. I was in some bands. Who were the bands there that, like, who, who did you like? Then? Oh, the Columbus bands? Yeah. Okay, so when I was a kid and I started going to shows, yeah. uh, the, the, current, the current bands in Columbus yeah. would be uh, um, the Great Plains. Were like, right, sort of it was like Ron big, House's Ron band House. before. Yeah. And I later played with him. Yeah. Uh, but he was like the big, like, they were on Big Label. Yeah. Not Big Label, but they were on Homestead. Yeah, right. They were like the biggest indie band in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Scrawl was just starting. They, they were on No Other, which was a Kurt from the record store's label. Yeah. Uh, Royal Crescent Mob were on. Maybe no, they I don't know. They were name. kind of a little bit like a less annoying Chili Peppers. <laughs> like if the Chili Peppers had a little bit more style or class or <laughs> less like. That's uh, that's not a high bar to jump. But, but in that sort of like funky, <laughs> like funk funk. Yeah, like college kid funky thing. Yeah, they were good. Their first record was an EP that was like really good. It was a little yeah. bit more gar- like a garagey version of that. But then once they got like they got a real record deal, they kind of got mm. a little bit too much like more like that Chili Peppersy yeah. thing. I mean, I don't know if you remember that was that shit was huge. Yeah, like funky college rock. Um, and then uh, Gibson Brothers were kind of starting out, and they got, you know, they were a, yeah. a significant band. Um, there was a, ba- a weird band called The Toll. They got a big, big record deal. Yeah. Uh, they were kind of like in that sort of Clash U2 vibe. Oh, okay. But they were a little bit more like, and they had a little separate group. They were a little bit more outside the indie rockers. They were a little more uh, college rock. Yeah. College kids. Uh, who else was around? That's kind of like all the bands I remember that were like significant. There's all lots of small bands that never put out yeah. a record. Right. You know. But who would you? My get? band. <laughs> what was your band? So I, I, I was, was in uh, in high school. I was in a little Pee Wee high school band called the Blonde Bombers. The Blonde Bombers. Blonde Bombers. <laughs> we, we named ourselves after this group that were like kind of like pranksters. Called the Whetstone was like a 
high school and a park and an area. They're called the Weststone Bombers. So uh, we, we were like in a new wave and like, you know, talking heads and violent fans and we dyed our hair blonde. We were like the first kids in our high school to like dye oh, our hairs. Wow. You know, because, <laughs> you, know, you know, Columbus is fairly conservative. So, uh, you know, people yell at you if you had anything weird about you. Right. Uh, so we were the Blonde Bombers and we were like, we were really into the, that first Violent Femmes record. Uh, into like, uh, you know, the more like the Brian Eno era of the Talking Heads, you know. Um, and then after that, I got in the hardcore scene. I met my hardcore friends. And I went in, and Casey Rice too, he was in a, a local band called Painful Discharge. They were a big hardcore band in town. And uh, their singer booked all the hardcore shows for a while. And then we were called Silent Majority. So <laughs> we were like the we were like the Pee Wee. Uh, all my bands were like the Pee Wee version. So we were the Pee Wee hardcore band. Yeah. And uh, there's actually like a I think it's like a Facebook group with like it's like 80s Columbus hardcore or something. Oh yeah. And you can see fine pictures of all of us all over that yeah. thing. And some I, I'm not not like on social media, but like all these people post stuff and. Mm. Um, and then, uh, and oh, there's a guy, this, Jay, this guy Jay Brown was a photographer, and he took so many good photos. He, had, he had, a lot of his photos end up on record covers. But if you want to like see a history of Columbus, look for Jay Photo with an F, Photo Man. Oh, Jay okay. Photo Man, he's got a great website, it's all broken down by years. He lived in Columbus when I was there, and then in, in the music scene, and then he moved to, uh, Cleveland for a while, so he has a lot of Cleveland garage rock in the 90s, and then he moved, I think he's currently in Pittsburgh, mm. uh, but his shit is it, it, high quality, he always had yeah. great cameras, he was actually he was Casey's roommate at one point, point. Oh, okay. and uh, you know, all those bands, those Columbus bands, he had great, and also the touring bands that came through, he had great, great pictures of bands like DeKreutzen, and mm. Danzig, or, or Sam Hain at that point, yeah. uh, you know, the New Bomb Turks and Gaunt and all yeah. those people, yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. So when I was there, it was before the New Bomb Turks and the Gone era. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna guess, yeah, New Bomb Turks was what? When was New Bomb Turks? I mean, I left in '89. Okay. The summer of '89, so yeah. all that shit was kind of bubbling. Ooh. I mean, I, I knew some of those guys. They were coming to the shows. Yeah. I was in a band. I was in a band called Control, also with Joaquin, post Silent Majority, and uh, my friend Cardi passed away. But uh, I was kind of in and out of that band a few times. But we uh, moved here, but Cardi didn't make it. He like stayed in Toledo. Mm. Yeah, he was in Columbus for college. We moved back to Toledo. But we'd see some of those guys like Jerry from Gaunt and like you know uh, Matt from uh, uh, New Bomb Turks and this and that. Hmm. But they hadn't quite formed their bands yet. They were like yeah. on the cusp of forming them. Yeah. So after I left, there was kind of like a wave of like this like. Uh, Great Columbus kind of garage and underground and the whole lo-fi thing. Yeah. So when, when I was leaving, I was like, right before I left, I was in that band, the uh, Thomas Jefferson Slave Apartments. And that was before you left. It started. Yeah. Like, oh. Okay. I, I was just sort of the first drummer, but I didn't make it on the record. Yeah. But the first actual single, which they have one side of a, a split single. Yeah. Is recorded in my mom's basement. <laughs> Nora is, uh, Malone is playing drums. She's playing my kit. Oh yeah. I recorded it. I recorded it on cassette, stereo cassette. I put the uh, band on left. I mixed the whole band down to just one channel. Uh -huh. Guitar, bass, drums, everything. I put Ron House's vocals on the second channel. Uh -huh. And then so I thought, 
when we kind of came from the mix, it'd be better. Yeah. Because sometimes you, you have everything all together. Yeah. And you change your mind. Okay. So I was like, oh, the vocals are too loud. I can't do yeah. nothing about it. So, and I recorded in my basement, which uh, Bobby passed away from that band. He called Cat Poop Studios. My mom's cats always <laughs> poop under the stairwell. Uh, but uh, then uh, Richie Violet, or Jack Richie, or Jack Taylor, who's in uh, New... Uh, no, but that's how I justify it. Now I'm spacing the name. Monster Truck 5, who's also passed away. He actually mixed it. Like they took the, they took the cassette, and they put it in like a little four track thing, the two channels. They, they blended the band and the vocals and kind of put it all in the red. Oh. And then that became the single. Oh, wow. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah Norris playing my drum kit. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was super basic. It was yeah. like, you know, we didn't call it lo fi, we just didn't have any gear. Right. You know, I had like three microphones. I think, I think, all those, yeah, those kinds of, when they get labels for like movements, like somebody, it's either a journalist or somebody after the fact comes up with it. Yeah. Like yeah. even like, you know, an art movement's like, none of the impressionists ever called themselves impressionists, you know? Yeah. Or whatever. Somebody makes that up after. Or the post rock thing. Like, yeah. Or that's not how the bands identify. Or, yeah. or no, emo bands. They didn't like. Well, no, nobody wants to be bands. like pigeonholed. Nobody wants to be put yeah. in a box, you know? Yeah. You're just doing whatever you're doing and you have, you have other people there at the same time, you know? And you can't help influencing each other because you keep seeing your yeah. friend's band, you know? You're gonna get something out of it. So, what what made you move to Chicago? What was, what so, was my buddy idea? Joaquin, who was in the band with Control, mm-hmm. we actually had two bands. One was with just uh, Joaquin and Cardi called Control, and then one was like with Joaquin and Casey, and we tried to get Cardi to be in the band. I tried to sort of make everyone be in the same band. Uh-huh. Uh That was Dog. Dog. And then Dog came here. Both bands came here, but Dog was sort of like the Chicago version. Uh-huh. Control didn't really last. Cardi didn't make it. Uh, every, everything changed, but uh, there was sort of like the same people having two slightly different kind of bands. But Joaquin, Were they kind of hardcore bands or not, uh, not hardcore Control, anymore? I would say it would be more like a touch of Black Flag with a little Sonic Youth in there. But pretty fast music. No, well, that wasn't no, fast. Not fast anymore. Not right. not like the early black flag. Yeah. More like the middle. Oh, okay. The middle stuff. And then, uh, I mean, Joaquin fucking oh, loved black flag. Yeah. And then Dog was more like a like a punky like Iggy Pop ish vocals and uh, you know kind of punky glammy Sex Pistols y kind of music mm-hmm. uh, or something of that in that zone. Yeah. Like not too fast either. Um, but uh, Joaquin came here for art school. He went to art. You remember Joaquin from art school? No, I don't. I don't think I know Joaquin. So Joaquin de la Puente, who now lives in uh, Olympia, Washington, he did two years in Columbus of uh, CCAD, Columbus College of Art and Design. Yeah. And then some other of my friends went there too that yeah. now live here. And then he wanted to move here to do the last two years uh-huh. at Art Institute. His uh, grandfather was helping him make it happen with yeah. the money and stuff. And uh, I, I was kind of like, uh, I don't know, floating around for a little bit. I, after high school, I had like a gap year. Mm-hmm. And then I went to college at Ohio State in the art department for like not even a full year. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, got into doing sound, and then I started touring. Yeah. So I had kind of like a weird thing. I was like kind of like living in Columbus, but thinking about moving. And 
Joaquin just sort of talked me in at the last minute. Oh, to move to Chicago. I literally, like, put my shit in his van the night before. And that was in 89? 89. I had, like, no money. Yeah. No job prospects. No apartment right. lined up. So we came up here and just, like, I think I, I uh, Casey luckily hooked me up with the art school job. Art store. Yeah, at the at Utrecht, right. which is where I met you. Yeah. In the winter yeah. of 90. Which so that kind of saved I, me. Yeah. 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 I worked there in the, like, I, I think I got the job within a week. Yeah. Like right when school was starting, the yeah. end, of, end of, of August, early September. Oh, okay. So uh, they were desperate for people. Yeah. Minimum wage, like right. five, thirty-five an hour. Yeah, it was a long time. I mean, yeah. in nineteen eighty-nine. Yeah, what was minimum wage? Yeah, I think it was five, five dollars. Yeah. And then uh, uh, I just busted ass. And I, I worked on my days off because I needed money. Yeah. yeah. All right. And it was always the one inside the school, or no, no. I first worked on uh, the one on Michigan yeah. Avenue. Yeah. yeah. And then it was, that was to work in the school was sort of like a promotion. Even oh, really? I didn't get paid anything extra. Why was it? It a was a more like easygoing, oh, less right. chaotic. You don't have to deal with all the normal people. Or, right. Sometimes like all these like random people that came to the store. Were, like, you know, they could test your patience. You know? I, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, there'd be like street people, there'd be like mm -hmm. suburban people, there'd be old people, there'd be all these different, different types of people, like, uh, and you know, artists are unique and sometimes... That, that's that's a, that's a char charitable way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you worked Art Supply, right? I worked at Pearl, like, uh, yeah, years later, but yeah. yeah. Lots of complaints. In 90, 97. Yeah, a lot of very specialized problems that yeah. were really, you know, probably mental problems, not... Nothing to do with the materials, you know, their yeah. mental problems, yeah. not yours. You know? <laughs> yeah, it was a weird store too because Utrecht was uh, it was a factory direct, yeah. family owned store. Yeah. So everything got that they made got made in Brooklyn, mm. and yeah. then they would ship it out on these trucks to all the different Utrechts yeah. all over the country. Yeah. And uh, if you were out of yellow ochre, yeah. You had to wait till they fired up the yellow ochre, you know, because they only could make so many paint colors yeah. at the same time. The people come in for like three weeks, like desperate for yellow ochre. Wow. And then they couldn't get it. I was like, well, they're still making cerulean blue or whatever. Like, yeah. You got to wait. Or yeah. then we would get other stuff from other manufacturers and be like, we get this really, I mean, I remember Chris Ware came in. Oh, and he yeah. bought these like really, really nice Robert Simmons, really fine, tiny little brushes. Yeah. And he loved them. Yeah. And then we sold them out and we never got them again. And he would always come in asking for them. We're like, wow, we don't have them, we're never getting them. Yeah, I, I remember him because he was in grad school when I was an undergrad. Yeah. I he was always apologizing for being a cartoonist. That he wasn't doing serious art. You know? like, he'd already been published yeah. by that point, like by the time he got there. You know, like he's, he's well on his way, you know? Yeah. It was a good job. I mean, uh, yeah. How long did you stay there at that job? Well, so I, I got the job in '89, mm -hmm. but then at some point I, I got a tour, so I quit. Oh, but then I came back with one of your bands, or no, doing sound, doing sound, doing sound, and uh, I took the tour. But then I came back, and the boss kind of talked me coming back so I think I put in like four years or total oh wow so even though I was only there for a short amount of time in the beginning yeah I was there actually for a total of four years but Casey used to work there yeah he worked in the uh, in the school um, it's just like you know 
it was an interesting, weird place to work. Yeah. yeah. So is that is that where you met Azita, or or did you meet her late? Did you meet I her? I think I met through art school people, like or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird because her and I were there like the exact same time. We never met. Never met her. I mean, I, you, I didn't meet her until later. I don't know if you were going to many shows, but I wasn't like, going to any shows. We we were I mean, like we yeah. were all about the shows. I was working yeah. a little bit at the Czar Bar. I went to a couple. Like my yeah. my friend Frank, who's a painter, he he, he was a drummer too. He play, he played his band played at the Czar Bar. He's from the what band was that? What was that band called? He had, a, he had there was a couple of bands. There's one called Baby Lemonade, and there was one called the Laguna Men. <laughs> uh, they were from the suburbs, Chicago. He grew up in Des Plaines. Okay. And the people in his bands were probably from those suburbs. Okay. He was in a couple of bands, but he's mainly a painter. He's still a painter. He teaches. Okay. He teaches a Dominican. He lives in Riverside. He plays Arbor, I probably met him. Yeah, but he. I remember going to Zarbar to see his band. I forget which of the which of his bands it was. Yeah, so at some point, like, I left the Utrecht and I just became a full time sound guy. Yeah. And I was only working at the Bar. Oh, really? Or doing maybe random other stuff. Which is kind of scary, you know. Yeah. Having no guarantees of work, but they're busy enough. Yeah. You know. where, where, where were you? Where were you living then? At that point. I've always like in the early days. I've always kind of lived like. Like my first place was down by the, I think it's is it a Polish museum, like at the Augusta. Oh, by like where Milwaukee and the yeah and the, the highway. Freeway, yeah, so we, I lived yeah. there. Was, that was our first place. Yeah. And then uh, I lived uh, by across from Dreamers at one point. Right mm-hmm. after that. Yeah. And then I, I moved. In, I shacked up with Zita. Yeah. And we lived. Uh, she had a place up like um, Irving and Damon. Yeah, she talked about. I, I did one of these with yeah. her. Uh, it's coming up. But we, yeah. I mean, I was not really allowed to live there because her parents didn't know that she had a boyfriend even. Right. So like, I was allowed to answer the phone <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And the uh, secret boyfriend. Yeah, secret boyfriend. <laughs> and, she, and she had a roommate. Oh so, really? Oh okay. Um, but uh, and then I sort of took over as the roommate, but she was pretending like she didn't have a boyfriend. And then, uh, and then we moved around a couple times together. Mm-hmm. We actually moved back into the same building I had first moved in. Oh, really? So I lived back in that building. Huh. Yeah, it was kind of weird because people have passed the places onto each other. Like, mm. yeah, we lived actually right here on uh, Wolcott, mm. right across yeah. from that school. Okay. So yeah. like you know, just down the alley from here. When yeah. I was working in Zarwa, I just walk over. One time, actually, I was doing sound for a band. This crazy band got on stage to sound check. Yeah. And I was like, Azita, you gotta come over and see this band. It's like yeah. this most fucked up looking band. And, uh, <laughs> and she came over, she was only like two blocks away. Yeah. They were called Three Day Stubble. <laughs> and they were, uh, and the drummer from The Germs was the drummer. Oh, really? Don, Don, uh, um, what's his name? Um, but he, uh, they were like, uh, if you can imagine, like, like sort of like Pee Wee Herman, Revenge of the Nerds mixed with Captain Beefheart. So it's kind of like had a little bit of a shticky thing. Yeah. But their shtick was uh, Don Bowles, the drummer. Okay. Uh, and uh, but it was like very sort of because I think that maybe was, that was going on in the Bay Area, like oh really, the, the, more theme and comical elements yeah. like Dread Zeppelin and all that stuff. Like okay, yeah. These themes. So right. their theme was like nerd rock. They're really promoting this nerd rock band. And uh, uh, I let him stay at my place. Oh, really? <laughs> and uh, the, the Don gave me, like, he sold me, for cost, he sold me, like, um, 
a germs video that he's selling germs videos on tour. Oh yeah, it's the same show that was uh, the record, the live record. Oh really? But it's like the actual show that he's watching on VHS. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, right. I saw three days double stickers. And <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, and and you were you're playing you're playing in bands this whole time or no or no? the whole time I had, yeah. I had a couple gaps like when bands like fizzled so I played with Joaquin for a while in the early 90s yeah. and then we split off and then I was in uh, I remember Andy Bryant used to work here he yeah. yeah I played with Andy and Sharon who's now in my band oh yeah Sh- yeah Sharon pre-dishes right we were in uh, a band called Cartographers and then um um, I joined the band Rome with Richie, Rich Smith, uh, and Adam uh, LaDuce, uh, Adam Jacobs, no not Adam Jacobs, Adam, what's Adam's last name? <laughs> Adam Gruel, LaDuce, uh-huh. and uh, they, were, they, were actually, they got a record, a record thing with Thrill Jockey, Oh yeah. and they gave Douglas, their drummer, the boot, because he was just too troublesome. Oh really? So I joined the band. Oh, I was in a band called Moon Men with Richie before that. I never did a record. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I joined the band to do the record. Yeah. And I left the band because they didn't want to tour. <laughs> the Douglas rejoined. And I joined up with the, with Rob and Seth and the Nerves, the yeah. Chicago Thrill Jockey Nerves. Yeah. Not the not the obscure '70s band that now has all of the issues. Right. <laughs> and uh, it's very confusing. And uh, where else was I? Well, yeah. you guys were nerves without the V, right? I guess so. <laughs> so yeah, some technicality. <laughs> we got like a hate mail once. Like someone bought our record and like was really mad that he thought it was the, the, the 70s band. Oh yeah. The '70s band was uh, Peter Case, uh, right? Um, yeah. Souls and uh, um, Paul Collins, who later had a band called The Beat, the Paul Collins Beat. Yeah. And I forget the other guys. They had some. Mu- what did they have? Hanging on the telephone. They wrote the that song was... Hanging Telephone, yeah, and they yeah. released on Obscure Seven Inch. Yeah. And no one knew about it until like Rhino. They started getting in that Rhino. Right. And so then later, much many 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 years later, someone like bought our record and was, they were confused. And they wrote a letter to Thrill Jockey and yeah. emailed and said uh, that they wanted their money back. Right. And that we're ripping <laughs> off this band, the original band. And, uh, and there's many bands that had, like, there was already a Nirvana before Nirvana. Sure, yeah, of course. There was already an Eternals before Damon and Wayne yeah, had the Eternals. Yeah. There were all these bands that already existed. Yeah. Or there's a the Columbus band, The Gods. Or, like, With a Z? Biker. Yeah. Or, like, or, but they had, had to kind of buy the name from another band called The yeah. Gods from the 60s. Yeah. They they were like a big biker rock band, right. but uh, or said, like famously like dinosaur having to dinosaur, add a junior. dinosaur junior dinosaurs yeah. was technically the original band. oh really dinosaurs and they were like a, a collection of classic rock yeah but uh, I saw their what do you call that picture bands have like the black and white mm. photo oh yeah 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 those kind of like the publicity kind yeah, of photo yeah. yeah but uh, it's like a headshot I saw them once yeah uh, but uh, <laughs> so he said. I, you know, he wanted his money back. Yeah. And he said oh, yeah. if Thrill Jockey wouldn't give him his money back, he was going to put our album on the wall and throw darts at our faces. All right. He <laughs> should, should, should have been honored. <laughs> Proud. You, you affect somebody that way. I, I had a, I, I did one of these talks with uh, Tom Shannon from Cheater Slicks, and he had a reverse problem because sometime, either in the early 2000s or the late 90s, 
There was a band in England called Cheater Slicks. It, much later than them. But they were super into hot rod culture. And then the term Cheater Slicks, it's those tires. Those flat tires with no tread, you know, like that those big tires. Right, okay. And, you know, Tom just picked that name because he thought it sounded cool. He was never into cars. Okay. But, like, they would send it like they got into all this all this like back and forth like, where this this shitty british band was claiming like well you're, you don't represent hot rod culture why like you shouldn't have this name the band probably didn't even exist anymore right or, or the band still exists i don't know if they, they existed for a time and they were trying to argue with tom that they deserve that name more somehow, except that they were way after the fact. You hear the Necros, right? What? The Necros? Yeah. So the Necros uh, from Toledo, or so technically Maumee, is where Corey, Corey was the bass player, Corey from Toledo. Uh-huh. Uh, they had this band, the Necros. Yeah. And, uh, but there was also, at the same time, there was a band in D.C. called the Necros. Oh, okay. And that people called them the D.C. Necros. Oh. But apparently, as I've heard the story told, yeah. is that the Maumee, Toledo Necros went to D.C. Yeah. And sort of like... Oh, they were going to have like a, like a like, gang fight, like, like a grudge match? Little, yeah. Wow. So you got to change your name. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, That's a New Jersey accent, actually. Yeah. I don't know what the Toledo accent would be. You got to change your name. Yeah, people get get their panties in a bunch about all kinds of silly things that yeah. nobody outside of these t- t- tight little So my, my band, will, my yeah. current band is called Stomatopod. Stomatopod, yeah. Stomatopod, yeah. Stomatopod is a mantis shrimp. Yeah. But yeah, more importantly, little... as we were looking at different various names, we yeah. found out there was never, ever, ever, ever a band in the history of the internet <laughs> that had called themselves Stomatopod. That's how it was chosen? <laughs> yeah, and we, we had all sorts of names that we thought were super clever. We were yeah. super proud of ourselves for coming yeah. up with a name. And then you found... And then we find some, yeah. some band, one yeah. somewhere. Like, I, I had a band name I, I sort of, like, wanted to use forever. And I found out there was already, like, a Portland band that had been using the same name. It was named yeah. after a film yeah. uh, called Cypher in the Snow, which we had to watch in junior high school. Cypher in the Snow? It's, it's this movie. It's about, like, social interaction. Mm. And uh, the beginning of the movie is a school bus in the winter, and the school bus stops, and this kid gets off the bus, yeah. and he falls into the snowbank and dies of loneliness. And the movie's sort of like a little bit of like a backing tracking to find out who he was, and it pretty much found out that no one, not only did they not really like him, they just ignored him. Wow. He was just like a kid that no one ever yeah. interacted with. And he died of loneliness because no one wanted to be his friend. <laughs> I was like, that's that's the band name right there. It's like, so, it's, that, it's apparently, these the people most, the most emo band ever, right? Apparently, these people had seen the same movie. Yeah, right. And when they were in junior high school, uh, we we had so many band names that we they were like, oh, it's already taken. Yeah. My, my other band name I thought was I thought it was really clever was uh, uh, you know the William Gibson books. One's called uh, Necronomicon, or right? Yeah, like those, yeah. those cyber or whatever. One's yeah. called Neuromancer. Mm, yeah, and then you know, like those bands like Spandau Ballet and whatnot, they're called the New Romantics. Yeah, so I was like, oh, we'll be the New Romantics, <laughs> and someone already thought it too. I was like, God damn it! Yeah, but then after we became a band and started putting out records, now there's a few bands actually called Samara. Oh, really? Yeah, there's oh, a wow. Brazilian metal band. 
Crazy. But we were the first tomorrow. <laughs> I was in the second nerves, maybe the third or fourth nerves. Who knows? There, there's got to be a, a bunch of other ones called nerves. You yeah. know, like that seems like a. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we did discover some, but you know, when we became a band, it was what like. Year, what year did nerve, nerve start? I want to say like in that 96, 97 zone. Because I know I saw that band real early. Like, that's when I moved back in 90, early 97, moved back to Chicago, yeah. and I saw you guys that year for sure. But you, you didn't seem like, seemed like a pretty new band. Yeah, I was. That's what I ran into you. I hadn't seen you in years. You know, we, like, yeah. That band actually, like, I knew Rob because Rob had was in a Zarbar band. Oh, was he? He was in a band oh. called, um, and I'm gonna forget. <laughs> It'll come back to you. Thresholds. Thresholds were a transplant band, much like my band was a transplant band. Where was where the? Where They're the all from uh, Connecticut. Okay. Rob was from. Uh, Niantic, and Niantic is close to like Rotten, and New London is the biggest city where the, they have the uh, the Coast Guard Academy and the shipbuilding yard and uh, Old Lyme, Old Lyme, the Lyme disease comes from. Yeah. And uh, Sennheiser USA microphones is in Old Lyme. So they all knew each other. They all, they were in a band out there. Yeah. I think Rob played also in a band called. Flesh Hammer. Flesh Hammer. And he, he, he has now gone back to Connecticut and now has rejoined Flesh Hammer. Oh, wow. They're a band that has never broken up. They've been a band like, oh, they're, they're okay. kind of like the weirdos of the town. Yeah. Like the weirdo indie rockers in the small, yeah, right. East Coast, Eastern, what do you call it? Like Eastern Seaboard? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. I don't know what's going on in Connecticut. So Rob <laughs> moved here, to go to, he went to Art Institute. Yeah. He, he might have been in graduate school. Right. I think maybe he went to Baltimore. Because he did what? He did like conservation or something. Well, he was right? a painter. But yeah. But he, he was an art mover. Uh, yeah. So he and Seth met moving art at Terry oh. Dowd. Okay, yeah. And then they started this garage rock punky band, Nerds. Yeah. Because uh, thresholds had broken up. Yeah. And uh, they had like sort of a drummer at the very beginning, but then I think they only played one show and they were looking for a drummer. Mm-hmm. Seth actually asked me to join the band, but I was in Rome. Yeah. And I was like, ah, I can't. And then, but then Rome was kind of like not working out for me, so I was like, kind of hit him up a little bit after the fact. Yeah. Well, that was a cool band. I like. Has two kids. And, right. Uh, he tries to get them all in bed like at seven ish. Uh huh. We can't play like until like eight. Oh, yeah. And then luckily his neighbors tolerate our rocking. He lives in Oak Park now. Oh, he moved to Oak Park? He moved to Oak Park. Okay, because yeah. I've been that time that you guys invited me to do the artwork for the yeah, who's like still in uh, Avondale. Yeah, that was they up sold in that it. place yeah. like a year and a half ago, I think. Oh, okay. And then uh, they bought this place in the park. They're like pretty much a division, and they're on Forest. Okay. So a few blocks uh, east of Harlem. Okay. And like close to division, and. Uh, they found a school spot. And, uh, you know, we have a, a, another basement practice space. A nice and that's when you guys, you guys practice there. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't have my own space. I've had my own space for years. No. It's weird. I, don't have, I can't play my own drums like anywhere. Oh really? Like I don't have a spot. Yeah. So I use his drum. I go and play his drums. Oh really? Yeah. For the whole time. Huh. 
Like we have a gig, I'll bring my drums to it. Yeah. So you play yours at the gig. Okay. Yeah. But I sort of adapted. I and in the nerves, when I played in the nerves, yeah. Rob uh, was a Robber Seth that had a Rob had a kit in his basement, and I would play. And I sort of adapted to the kit. Like I sort of my style. Oh really? Drumming, adapted to like whatever kit mm. was kind of put before me. Yeah. It's kind of weird for a drummer to not, not have like your own kit in a band. Yeah. Although I heard Pat Smear in the Germs, back yeah. to the Germs. Yeah. Rumor is that he didn't even own a guitar for a while. Oh really? And he just bumped someone's guitar who was also on the gig. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. That's like who knows? Yeah. Well, you know, Chuck Berry would bar would play with whatever band was in town. Yeah, he would drive around. Yeah. I, I I worked a show once that. Uh, like oh really? Like set up some doors Showed up and they had to pay him in cash, and then he'd go on stage. He bring his, he, he drove yeah. in his car, his big, yeah. like whatever, like yeah, big, like a Cadillac, like a Continental or company, yeah. Cadillac, yeah. big car. Yeah. He had like his amp in the back seat of the trunk, his guitar, mm -hmm. and he just go on stage and play. And then the local people would have to know the songs. Yeah, yeah, they would. Just and sometimes they'll call songs they, they didn't yeah. know. And right. It was, it was not the greatest. I mean, I'm glad I got song to see him once. Yeah. It wasn't like the greatest, like it wasn't like tight. Yeah. It was sort of like the band was like trying to keep up, you know. One of one of my biggest uh, concert disappointments was uh, seeing Link Ray at, at uh, House of Blues here. It wasn't so good. Well, he had a met like he had like these young dudes like it was like yeah. it was like Link Ray playing with like Hanoi Rocks or something. I don't know. Like it was like they looked like a hair metal band or something. It was super metaled up, you know, and it was. Like, I th there had been some situation with, like, he'd been living in Europe, and, like, rumor was, like, his wife didn't want him to tour. There's something, like, he hadn't been playing, and it was, like, a comeback. This is, like, yeah, like, probably, like, in 97 or 98 or something. I bought this ticket. I feel like Zespi from Urban Arcade was on one of those tours. I don't know. I don't know. For I'm, 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 he probably kept going after that, but, like... It was, it was like, like it sounded like Blues Hammer or something. Like it was like way, way amped up. You know, like it's not, you know, like what you want is like the way those records sound. You know, like, I like mean, the definitely old, like I remember the fifties. I remember know, like, like yeah. sometimes seeing bands that were like inappropriate people. Yeah. Like obviously drummers are hard to come by. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes your favorite band all of a sudden have a drummer that's not the right style. Yeah. There's, it's too, it's not, it's too hard to find. Find a drummer. Yeah. This even has a style. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, you know, the drummer's kind of like a metal drummer. He's trying to do this gig. You know, so it kind of ruins the vibe a little. Bit. Yeah. There's people I've seen. Yeah. Over the many times over the years, like Tav Falco and Pan Panther Burns. Well, he he also lives in Europe and he hires these kind of like ringer kind of like virtuoso like these guys that dress, you know, like. They know the, the whole history of like music or whatever, but they're, I don't know. The there's other, something real hollow about it. The flip side of that coin, there's some records with like professional musicians on them. Yeah. That are like more like punky yeah. vibe that kind of worked out. So like there's a Cro-Mags record where like, I think 
the bass player and the drummer are like more like session guys. Yeah. And they fucking kill it because the band itself was like maybe more scrappy. Well, but then they have a solid drummer yeah. section. Or like the Fear, Fear record, the uh -huh. first Fear record, yeah. the drummer's like super tight. Yeah. You know, more tighter than most punk drummers of that era. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But it kind of comes together and works. You know, like punk is not really known for like fancy tight drummers or back in those days. Yeah. So sometimes it works to have a ringer. Yeah. No, it depends on well, like. You know, the, these record, you know, classic records that everybody loves, you know, like, Love Forever Changes, like, nobody in that band played on that record, you know, like... I'm not sure who played drums on that record, but I think Hal Blaine played on it. It was, I, I think it was the whole Wrecking Crew, plus they had, like... I feel like I recognized the, like, some of the like, Tom Tom licks as Hal yeah, Blaine-style yeah. Tom Tom licks, but that's just me thinking out loud. But, like, that record is basically just like a... Like a rock opera, you know? Like, well, I think like some of the band yeah. members were at the studio like watching people play their parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, but they couldn't play those. Like, they couldn't, they couldn't play, play that way. They yeah. too, like, fucked up or... Yeah, they, they couldn't play like what that guy had dreamed up in his head, you know? Like, yeah. Or, like, you know, I mean, all those Beach Boys records. That was so. the best shows I ever saw was when Love first came back after Earth and We Got Oh, you episode. went to that? Yeah, I, was, I, I, I was tempted. I was, I was didn't uh, go. Uh, I learned about love. I didn't really. I wasn't. They weren't so much on my radar. A little bit, but like uh, the Nerves guys really got me onto them. I, I listened. That was the record that I listened to in high school, like oh, all, over and over. Yeah. Was that and uh, Television's Marky Moon? That's another record that I. I, I it was recommended to me at the record store. Yeah. When I first got it, I didn't like it. Yeah. I had a vinyl copy and I sold yeah. it. And uh, in the eighties, and then yeah. uh, later I got to appreciate it. Yeah. I think Doug got me more into it. Yeah. But uh, um, I think I wasn't ready for it. Or yeah. Like in my, uh, you know, it's like you know, like when you look back, like what you like at what age, you know? Oh yeah, and it, it, it totally depends on what yeah what you're using it for and how it hits you and stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, Forever Changes I didn't really know about until the 90s, late 90s. Yeah. So there's a, a treat where well, you said the band Baby Lemonade. That's the band from L.A. That was the, Yeah, there was a band called Baby Lemonade that was, I think it was like a tribute to Sid Barrett. Or, like, well, they were L.A. Like, guys, and yeah. they actually used to play with Arthur Lee before he went to prison. Right. Yeah, right. So they were like sort of like the Young Gun, like neo psyche yeah. whatever yeah so when uh when he played a double door that was his band oh okay and when he played a double door it was uh a rock band uh-huh so like they were playing these like orchestral oriented songs but like just in a rock yeah so like you know they would try to simulate some yeah. of the tunes and yeah. the melodies with guitars or vocals it, it was fun. It was, it was fucking packed, like wall, like shoulder to shoulder, yeah. sweaty people. Yeah. Like it was like a it was like a record store nerd convention. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> um, I I also saw love with the orchestra. I thought that's where you're. I know they, they that was like Park West. They, they build that as like the the actual Forever first time that that could, that was ever actually performed. That's that, that album. That's possible. Yeah. I think that's what they were selling. And it that almost tour didn't happen. Yeah. It almost didn't happen because I guess Arthur Lee like broke his toe or his foot or his ankle. Yeah. So he had like a cane or yeah. something like yeah. that. But there was like a rumor like while we were all there that they, yeah. they actually show it's not going to happen. Oh well. But he came out and he was a little bit yeah. hobbling around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was with the full orchestra. Yeah. At the Park West. Park West. Yeah. Yeah. But the Double Door show was really awesome because it was yeah. like. 
kind of before he was like getting like all the press. Like it yeah. was like it was kind of a bit more like the like you know kind of like when Rocky Erickson started playing again. Mm -hmm. it was like yeah, blew everyone's mind. You know? Yeah, at the Abbey Pub. I, went, I saw him the first time at Intonation Fest. Oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't see. And him I think he had some of his old '80s guys in the yeah. band. Yeah. But then later you start seeing younger and younger people in the band. Yeah. You know. No, the, I only saw him. I think the I did once not see him at Abbey Pub. At Abbey, Abbey Pub was was one of the earlier, like when he was just started coming out. After that documentary came out, and I think I saw him at uh, Bottom. Oh, later. okay. I may have seen him another time, but like it was interesting because, like while the songs were going on, he was totally engaged in between the songs. It was like, like he'd been unplugged or something, you know. He was just like, like. Poof, I, I just do like remember down. he was like having a bunch of fun playing guitar. Yeah. With a drummer. Yeah. And one of the guys in the band had to kind of like, no, you have to face the audience. You kind of yeah. move around this yeah. way, like you know, like face the audience. Got to face the audience. You know? I mean, it's remarkable that he got into good enough shape to do any of that, really, you know, like, yeah. and he was way, way the fuck out in outer space, you know, like, yeah. where he'd gone, you know. Yeah, those, those, Usually those two people, things, people like don't come back from Arthur Lee yeah, yeah. and, uh, yeah, Rocky Erickson, that's amazing, that they, and also, um, Brian Wilson coming back, too, that's mm. amazing, too. I never saw him, but, no. you know, so, so much influencing that to finally get to see a uh, Mission of Burma too. Getting to see Mission yeah. of Burma, like I, you know, because I'm too young to ever have seen Mission of Burma. I just miss Mission of Burma. You know, I, mean, I grew up in Boston. Yeah. I missed them by a couple, like a couple of years. I was just a little too young. You know, are we the same age? Uh, I think you, I think you're you're a year or two older. Yeah, I'm 53, almost 54. Okay, yeah, I'm turning 52 in a month. So yeah, yeah. So when I grew up in Columbus. Uh, they yeah, were I just know. starting to raise the drinking age. Oh, okay. And yeah. I unfortunately was just behind the curve. Yeah. So it meant I missed a bunch of shows. But luckily, my mom knew the owner of the, the pool club, Stashes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was actually able to go to the club. I had like a free pass. Oh, wow. So there was like a couple of years where I got to see all these like burning bands. Yeah. And people my age were excluded from that. Yeah. It was sort of the beginning of like the all ages punk scene. Yeah. Because the all ages punk scene was sort of like all the people were like got disenfranchised yeah. by the drinking age. Yeah. You know? Right. Sure. So I was kind of dabbling in both like the underage scene yeah. and the punk side. I also had like a weird in. So like stashes would be like sort of like you know, not as like amazing as a lounge act. Yeah. But it was in that zone, it was the same circuit. Yeah. Similar bands. So like when I was a kid, we got to see, I got to see Big Black. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to see Hooster uh, Do, Sonic Youth, Buffalo Surfers, all in like a little shitty club. Yeah. Uh, Small Deutschland. Okay, I know that, I never listened to them, I know that yeah, name. Like a like, new wave yeah. European band, like 4AD band. Yeah. Before before my time, Nick Cave played at the club. Yeah. You know, in the early, early days of a solo career. And, uh, I still saw Nick Cave in high school with my fake ID. At a, at a 21 plus. I never had a fake plus, ID. At a 21 plus. Yeah, for the Tender Prey tour. Oh, yeah. 
That was, so that Tender was, Prey, they played the big rock club, is where the gods used to play all the time. Yeah, yeah this and is like a bigger... Super, super it hated a, it. It was a... What's that? They hated it. They were like, yeah. this place sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it was a place called The Channel in Boston. Okay. Uh, Boston, I know. Uh, Tichis, of course. Yeah. It's uh, gone now. Yeah. Middle East, a little bit. Around the downstairs. corner, yeah. And... Uh, there's a newer place I've been to a couple times. It's fancier. Um, but what, I can't remember what it's called. Like Great Scott? Or, no. There's a couple of newer ones that I don't know because I've been gone from there since 97. Like Lincoln Hall vibe. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Brighton. Brighton, Massachusetts. Brighton Music Hall. Yeah, that's a newer place. And then, uh, and then um, my band played in Jamaica Plain. The tour almost ended that show. Oh, really? What, the There's nerves? Scuffle or? Between, yeah, scuffle between the bass player and an audience member during our set. And uh, I, had to get, I had to get out from behind the drum kit and be like yelling, oh. at, yelling at the bass player. Like, I was literally like in my, I play in my socks? Yeah, sure. yeah. I was in my socks. Off, on the front, out, out from the kit, the front yeah. of the stage, yelling at the bass player. Yeah. I was like, get back on stage or we're going home right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sort of was, like, he liked to start shit, huh? Yeah, he was like an instigator. Yeah. yeah. That's essentially the reason why, like, it became harder and harder to like, yeah. do tours and shows. And yeah. He, he's... He's calmed down. He's <laughs> calmed grown down. up. He's grown up. <laughs> yeah. He's in this whole video film world. Oh, really? He always was, oh, but he's yeah. successful now. Cool. But he was, uh, yeah, he was, he was a troublemaker. Yeah. <laughs> I did a lot of apologizing. Yeah. In that band. But, yeah. But he had a good, a good, he was, he was like good at the, the rock and roll, like, the idea of like how to like uh, you know the visionary of the rock and roll aspect oh yeah you know hmm. even though he was like you know new to bass like he, he this was his first band he never oh, really? a band before he bought a bass to be in that band with Rob yeah. but he he, uh, he had a very good uh, sort of like a conceptual idea about rock and rollness yeah you know Rob was like an amazing guitar player Rob yeah. was like a natural yeah you know so that was no problem there like he just could like fucking like Tear it up and write. It's songs. a very tall, thin band. Yeah, <laughs> band. Except for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah no, I, I saw that band a bunch. <laughs> yeah, it was a very cool band. <laughs> so was it was it always uh, drums for you, as far as music yeah, goes? Yeah, I, I dabbled in bass. I, I, I own a bass, and I can dabble. In it. I don't know the scales. Yeah. But I did play bass for in a Columbus band for a short amount of time. Yeah. Called Satan's Bake Sale. <laughs> which some of those people morphed into the Monster Truck Five. And then other people went into um I'm forgetting the name, but I'll think of it. But yeah, I, I play that bit. I, I, I only play a couple shows. Yeah. I, I mean I'm not like uh I don't know anything about actual notes. Yeah. I know about rhythm and drums and sound. Uh, so you know, you never had that that drummer dream of being the like the front man. <laughs> no. no. It's just that thing of like the drummer being resentful for being stuck behind the the, the prima donna. The joke is like, yeah. why did why did the drummer get fired? 
Or what, what, what did the drummer say before he got fired? What's that? Hey guys, let's try one of my songs. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, well, there's, well, like you go back to Burma, you got Pete Prescott, you know, who, you know, went on to start a band where he played, he was the lead singer from yeah. the drum kit. And then he, then the other bands, he was, was the front man. Yeah. Customized and then the thing he's I never saw Customized. Customized was I, I a did, cool I did, band. I did see it the Stashers days, I did see uh, Volcano Sons. Yeah. And uh Yeah that see that was more my era. Like I love I love that band. That There's Volcano allegedly Sons some like, demo tapes I never heard of the yeah. earliest version of that band. Yeah. When he I went saw through, them, he went through a lot of lineups. Yeah. When I saw them it was a Bright Orange Years tour. Yeah. It's and, the first uh, record, yeah. But apparently there's some some tapes of them before that that are really yeah. good, really cool. I used to, when I used to go to shows, I was such a nerd, I would like buy or bring a record and have the bands, like not like sign it so much as like doodle on it. Oh yeah. You know, like you know, do whatever, like draw a yeah. cartoon yeah. or saying you're, you know. Yeah. Uh, and when I saw Volcano songs, it was, uh, I don't know if you remember this about me, but like I got mugged like when I was a kid in Columbus and I lost all, eventually lost all his teeth from it. And uh, when I saw Volcano Sound, I was like, wi mouth wired shut. No, no I, I like, didn't know this. Puffy face, yeah. like, it was pretty close to when I got mugged. Yeah. And uh, so they were like, get better soon. Because oh. I, I went to the show, like, the week the week after I got mugged. Oh, wow. And, like, like, my face was all scabby. I got basically, like, knocked down and fell on my face yeah. in the street. So I was like, oh, fuck that. No. Uh, but I was like, I'm going to the show. I played a show, too. I played a show. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And I'm all, like, scabby and puffy face. <laughs> yeah, I lost like all these teeth here. Yeah. These are all fake over Oh, really? Yeah, you remember when I was missing all those teeth? I, I vaguely remember yeah. the missing teeth. So basically, teeth, like, yeah. I got mugged in like, I think it was 88 or something. And then, like, in the 90s, yeah. like basically 10 years later, yeah. everything started coming out. Yeah, all the te all the bad teeth started falling out. Yeah. So then I had like a few years of like working on that to get the teeth, the fake teeth. Yeah. So when I was in nerves, yeah, I was like missing three teeth over here. Yeah. yeah. It's all coming back to me now. But yeah. 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 Thank you, Columbus. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, like Pete, I don't think Pete plays drums much anymore. I mean, like, his thing now called Mini Beast that he does. That's the thing at the hideout, right? Yeah, yeah, that. I mean, he's, he's the front, he does a lot of keyboards and, and guitar. He switched to guitar for a customized. Okay. He was a rhythm guitarist, and we, we, he got to be up front. Was so he a got singer? to dance around. Was he a singer? Yeah, he was okay. a singer, yeah. But his first drummer and customized. I totally missed that band. Like, I, I knew the name. The guy from Bullet LaVolta was the drummer. I remember the, the that singer name, from I, Bullet LaVolta. Like hardcore band or no? No, no, they're a real, like, straight ahead, like, old school rock and roll band. Okay. Like, way more were straight. Tang, maybe? Were they on Tang? They were on Matador. Matador. Okay. Yeah. Uh, early Matador. I thought they were a hardcore band. I never heard that name. No, no. I knew the name, but yeah. No, kind of like a little bit surf rocky, but like real classic old school rock okay. rock band. Yeah, there's a couple. Um, they've got. I think they got three records on Matador. Okay. Yeah. Uh, kind of a little bit like real retro kind of like okay. sounds. Were they a nineties band? Yeah. Yeah, same same time period has come. Okay. Pretty much. Because that's when I moved 
So I graduated from Art Institute in 93 and moved back to Boston. That's when all those bands were going, like mm -hmm. Common, Customized, and a bunch of bands like that. You know? A lot of those bands were Cheater, like Cheater bands. Slicks were going. We're still right. in Boston then. Yeah. A lot of those bands were uh, Lounge Axe bands. Yeah. I was like Zarbar at that point. Oh, okay. And then I was over at the uh, Fireside. Oh, okay. So, like, I. Like. I, I did go to Lounge Axe, but I missed, I missed a lot of the, that era. Yeah. Um, because I was working, I was like, so basically I was like, you know, I'm doing sound for this band, yeah. or I'm over, you know, like, I'm in the, the fireside world for a while. Yeah. So I know a lot about, like, 94 to 90-something fireside. Yeah. <laughs> that's where I was working, so I was like, I was kind of like, not by choice, but just by osmosis, sure, yeah. I was like, absorbing all this, like, pop punk and ska, and whatever, you know. So, they're doing some, whatever you want to call it, like, noisy rock, mm -hmm. you know, stuff. But, um, I, I sort of like started losing, losing them a connection to the object scene. Yeah. Um, if you work all the time, like, you can only see so many shows, like... Oh, yeah. If I've already seen four shows this week at my job... Right, yeah. You're not going to want to do that on your day yeah. off anyway. I miss yeah. a lot of, like, sort of 90s indie rock. Yeah, I don't I don't know how long Customized went, but but then... Were they more of, like, a Metro band, or were they a Lounge X band? I did, yeah, I don't know where they would have played here, because I, I didn't see them here. It was when I was in Boston. I don't think I ever saw them in Chicago. Custom, I'm, I'm was sure there another Peter Prescott band around that time? Uh, not. He had another band after Customized called the Peer Group that never recorded. Okay. I have a practice tape. I have okay. a tape that he gave me. You know, that's pretty cool. But then, but that's then uh, Burma started up again. Yeah. And that took up a bunch of his time. And I know, started like, seeing them. I went to the first Metro show. It was amazing. Uh -huh. yeah. And then uh, I did a as a sound guy, I did a shellac tour in Europe yeah. where Burma was opening. Yeah. That was totally weird. Right. But like, like Mr. Burma's an opening band. Sure. Yeah. Um, those great. I mean, you know. Yeah. See them. Hang out with them. Yeah, they I think yeah, they're one of the few like reunion bands that really justified it. You know, like you know, they they're full on like they got a little cut short too, right? Like they kind of ended like suddenly. Or well, they ended suddenly. I I did a long long talk with 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 Pete once. I was, I was writing an article, uh, like kind of an earlier version of this kind of thing, but like I just was using the recording just as to use for transcribing, kind of like right. your mom. <laughs> uh, but he said uh, basically it petered out because like they got asked by like Foo Fighters to open at Fenway Park and they just looked at each other and they were just embarrassed. Like this has like got nothing to do with what we're in music for, you know? Like just like I, I, I can see like, that, but I just sound for Naked Raygun, uh -huh. Foo yeah. Fighters, yeah. yeah. Foo Fighters, Foo Fighters, yeah. Food Fighters, Food Fighters, and uh, 
Klipsch Center. That was like. What is that? It's, you know, Klipsch speakers, Klipsch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess Klipsch is like an Indiana company. Oh, okay. I didn't know that, but uh, I know Klipsch, the speaker, but uh, they, uh, the Foo Fighters really love to get like their yeah. idols. No, I know. That's why they ask bands yeah. like that to, to and, open. Uh, so I just sound for the. Uh, for Nate, the current version of Nick and Reagan, yeah, you know, with uh, uh, the current lineup, yeah, at the Clip Center, opening up for Foo Fighters is totally fun, yeah, and uh, it was a good show, yeah. Their all their crew were super awesome, it was yeah, really easy going gig. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how much of the audience really like was super into it, but yeah. some people were, yeah, you know, and uh, then the same tour they played at uh, Wrigley uh, mm-hmm. State, it was called. Wrigley Field. Wrigley Field. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I did, I couldn't do that show because I had another gig. Yeah. So Bob Wesson did that show. Uh-huh. So he he mixed uh, uh, Naked Reagan there. Yeah. And uh, also I think Erdoverko played. Oh okay. At uh, the same show. Yeah. I was almost going to do that show and I, I really wanted to do it and I couldn't. I had a uh, street fest commitment that I yeah. already made. But uh, I mean. I'm not, I'm not really into the Foo Fighters, yeah. but I'd like that they, I mean, you know, maybe you're not into it, some people aren't into it, but I think, I think it's good that they are getting their heroes. Yeah, to, they uh, seem like real nice people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, no, this is what I'm telling you is from, from Pete's, this is what Pete said. But I understand that, that like, like, we're now, like, are we playing at stadiums for big bands that are yeah. what we're about, you know, thank you. Like, that. I understand that. He yeah. felt like that they were just create they all like mutually that's what he said decided that they were just creatively done you know like they didn't need to do that anymore you know yeah but like you know like pete's never like he's been playing music this whole time and the the bass player quit music for for years and years Clint, yeah, he didn't play in bands. He had a solo band, right? At some point, <laughs> he had a band called Consonant that, right. that broke up late. Did they was do a CD with, with Kurt at Atavistic? I know they have one. They have one recording. I don't know if he did it or yeah. he just told me. About it. I'm not sure, but uh, Kurt from Atavistic is a guy that I played with in Columbus. We oh, okay. IDF with Casey. Oh, okay. And Paula, Kurt and Paula came here yeah. first. Casey came second. Joaquin and I came third. Uh, but yeah. uh, Kurt was like the record label guy. Yeah. We were in a band that was on his label. Yeah. And he put out a bunch of, he was a video guy. Yeah. So he did a lot of videos for bands. But yeah. yeah, I mean, Roger, you know, he's doing all kinds of avant-garde and kind of classical music and all kinds of other music that whole time that Burma was in a band, you know? So I think, I don't think they, they definitely, I think they got back together because they felt like they had unfinished business, you know? That's totally true, yeah. 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 I heard their last show was like sort of a big disaster. Where yeah. like the PA was like almost turned off. Yeah. They, they, Cause they're like kind of this band that makes a big amount of noise. Yeah. And like for whatever reason they're playing this like kind of big venue and the yeah. PA company or the yeah. management of the venue or the band that headline or someone, someone basically their, their final concert in the old days was like yeah. weirdly quiet, Yeah. which is a bummer. Yeah, so that, that was great to see that band at yeah. the show for sure. I me- it was magical. It was like a great show. Mm-hmm. That was another shoulder to shoulder, sweaty, yeah. nerdy. Uh, I was probably at that one. Yeah, I'm sure you. Were. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I was at that one. Uh, yeah, but 
Yeah, the, the one kind of bittersweet thing with like when these bands, the old bands that didn't get their due, get back together is it keeps at least some of the members, the ones that have kept playing music from stretching and doing new stuff because they get boxed in, you know, to a style or a thing, you know. Like what, what Pete said, like he just, he got bored with it after a while. Even though that second iteration of Burma was way, I think he had a lot more input, you know. I think he got to write more songs and got to sing more, you know, in the newer records, you know, than he did the first time around, you know. But, and yeah, it's it sucks that like, a guy like him, you know, like, he can't fill a big club, you know, playing the music he's playing now, you know? Maybe he never will, but, like, I can, you yeah, know... it's weird, it's like... I mean, I've been on so many tours with so many bands, and, like, yeah. like sometimes you kill it, and sometimes yeah. you're like, why is there no one here? Yeah, and I've done sound for shows where like the band's like, "Why is there no one here?" Yeah, you know, it's it's really hard to game out. I mean, like I, I'm the worst at like predicting. What, I like what I like. Yeah. It, it often does not I mean, match. I, I grew with up really sound in a college town. Yeah, and sometimes a band would play, and it would be like, "Oh, there's no students here." Yeah, all the students went home. Right. So like it's bad timing. Bad yeah. Bad timing. Or, you know... Yeah, they schedule it on break or something. Yeah, or like yeah. spring break and you, yeah. you schedule your like show. Like, I, I, I did sound for an early, an early, uh, earlier version of uh, Flaming Lips. Mm. Uh, it was yeah. Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. So everyone's gone. Right. And the attendance <laughs> was terrible. The show was killer. It was yeah. great. But, uh, like... It was just Wayne Coyne in his, in his little balloon. In, inside of his the airport. Yeah. The, the only prop they had, they had a fog machine. Oh, okay. But uh, it was, they were like still like, you know, in the, they're more like a straight up rock band at that point, or the earlier days. Oh, okay. But uh, I just like, like this band's killing it and there's like no one here. Yeah. You know? No, I, yeah, there's, there's, there's no predicting it. Yeah. I don't know. And yeah, I, I, yeah. I would never hire me to to be a talent scout or R and D or something. Cause, but you know, a place like Columbus too. Yeah. So many people want to bring the great bands to town. Yeah. But the crowd, especially the college kid crowd, yeah. aren't ready for it. Yeah. Or it's like they they don't know about it until it's more successful. Yeah. So it's like in Chicago, I really liked that there was just so much activity in the music scene. Yeah. Like people like would go see all sorts of music not knowing if they would like it or not. Yeah. In Columbus I feel like someone they had, almost like they had to wait for the band to get a little traction sure, to get yeah. on the radar. I think in the hardcore scene that was less so. I think the hardcore yeah. scene was a little bit more like let's go to every hardcore show. Yeah. But uh and a little bit more of the indie rock scene. Uh, it, it seemed like a little slower to ramp up. Yeah. But certain bands would be just like instantly popular. Yeah. Like the, if the band was already really big, you get a crowd. But the band was like struggling. It was a struggle to get the audience. Yeah. You know. Is that still the case for like? I mean, you tour with what? You tour with Tortoise and mostly Tortoise and Shellac. Oh, no. I haven't done Shellac in a while. You don't do Shellac. Okay. It, are there places where they're like not popular? Is there, is there a place that Tortoise doesn't draw? Well, 
it's all the market. So like, you know, obviously all the big cities are great. Yeah. You know, the college towns, like the bigger college towns are better. Yeah. The smaller college towns are like the more like in the middle of nowhere college towns are slower. Yeah. You know, I did I did a shellac tour. And we toured Eastern Europe. Yeah. And like we had a couple really small shows in like um, uh, Bulgaria. Yeah. You know, huh. Like, like where no one knew who Shellac was. And they put on the poster like featuring Steve Albini that produced Nirvana. Sure, yeah. I guess you got to sell it however you sell it, right? But no one knew their music in Bulgaria. Yeah. Or maybe like a small amount of people did. Yeah. So, even Chicago, it's a struggle sometimes. Like, yeah. You have a great band and like kind of get a crowd. Like I saw. I saw many lounge act shows that were ill-attended. Yeah. Great band. I did sure. sound at many fireside shows that were ill-attended. And were amazing. Yeah. You know? But then sometimes there'd be like, some bands just because they're like part of a big label or yeah. whatever, like they're the, <laughs> part of the hip recent trend or whatever. Yeah. It's packed, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess I, I rarely find myself at shows that are crazy packed, you know? Like, I ever try to remember, like, every show was, like, super successful. Yeah. But there's so many shows where there's, like, 20 to 40 people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That was not uncommon. Anywhere. Yeah. Empty Bottle, you know, Hideout, Fire. I was, I was at a show at the Empty Bottle with... Grant Hart playing solo to like 15 people or something like that, you know? I Actually, I did a show at this place <laughs> across from the Guitar Center on Halstead uh-huh. called The Prodigal Sun. Yeah, I remember that place. I did, I did a smattering of Didn't show that there. place burn down or something? Yeah, they had a big fire. Yeah. But, uh, so, I got there, you know, early, because they didn't have a PA at that point. So I had to load in the PA uh-huh. for, for, for MP shows. Uh-huh. And uh, I guess Grant Hart got there early. Yeah. Because he's on tour. And yeah. He, and he actually helped me load in the speaker. Oh, really? Yeah. Because he's like, whatever, I'm just here. I'll no, that you. Grant Hart show. At, that at, show was killer. Yeah. At the bottle was, it was when I was working at Bite next door. And I, so I just wandered over. It was that afternoon. And I see this guy in a, he had a button down shirt, but like with clashing patterns. And he was taking a nap on the couch in the back room. It was Grant Hart, you know. Like I feel like I saw him taking a nap at the product or something. Yeah, but he he would just he would just take requests. It was just him on a guitar. Yeah. And he would play and he would make snide remarks about like, well, here's like a gratuitous guitar solo would go because he did Husker Du songs. Yeah. If people ask, but not I, not I didn't the realize ones. how many great songs he wrote until I. He wrote so out. many good songs. Yeah. I was like, oh, that, that's a Grant Hart song. That's a Grant Hart song. Yeah. God, I didn't know. I'm I'm slightly too young to be like super into Who's Who. Yeah. Like my older friends, like they love the, the, the Minutemen. Yeah. And Who's Who. Like Zen Arcade and yeah. Double Nickels on the Dime yeah. were like they're like these are fucking killer records. I, I I was just slightly too young to get super into those records. See, that's what I love, but it, I was slightly too young. But my theory is that you're like what I'm into is, is the stuff I was just slightly too young for. That and, and Burma, which is the same exact. I think I, I think yeah. my you know my historical stuff went a little farther back. Yeah. And I was into current stuff, but like yeah. 
For some reason, I, like if I just missed it, I wasn't as, as yeah. into it for some reason. Yeah. I mean, I own both those records, but like, I just like never was like super into it. Yeah. But all my friends are like three or five years older than me, or like they're like. Yeah, but yeah, Husker Du I I missed and didn't get into until like I was at the Art Institute, and that same friend Frank, my friend Frank, like taped or gave me a copy of Zen Arcade. That was like one of the the key records of that time, but. That was the early 90s, you know, like, it was, it was a few years, it was, you know, whatever, six, seven, eight years after, after the fact, you know, yeah. It's, yeah, for me, it's specifically that record, like, I don't like... I saw them when it was a New Day Rising tour. Oh, okay, yeah. At Stashes, and it was so, Bob, Bob, Bob? Yeah, Bob Mould, uh, yeah. Bob's guitar was so fucking loud that yeah. all I could hear was guitar. Yeah. I couldn't really hear vocals yeah. <laughs> or drums, maybe a little bass, but like it was just like a like wall of like yeah. for a flangy guitar. Yeah. And I didn't really know the songs. Yeah. So it was just like, why do people like this band? It's just like Yeah. I mean Columbus wasn't really known for its like excellent venues, yeah. acoustics. Yeah. Like our bigger venue that was kind of like the Metro or like the yeah. Vic was like yeah. shitty, shitty echoey acoustics. Yeah. Like I saw the Ramones there and it was like yeah. I couldn't hear shit. Yeah. A wall of swirling sound. Stashes was better, but like that show was just like nothing but guitar. No, I've heard complaints a lot from like musician friends about how poorly those records were recorded, the sound on the Squidu records not being good, but like, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't part, know. Part that. of that yeah. is that like yeah. the bands didn't have a budget to do a, a yeah. real recording. Yeah. So like uh, some bands had to, because uh, studios would be super expensive. Yeah. Right. Now yeah. studios are super cheap. Yeah. Right. But in the days when studios were super expensive, you could you could barely afford to record in a studio, yeah. a real studio, yeah. right? So sometimes you work these weird deals where like uh, you go to a nice studio that yeah. did expensive work yeah. in the daytime, and you get to record overnight. Yeah. So like right. Days of Wine and Roses by Dream Syndicate, yeah. which is an amazing record. It is. Uh, that, that record was <laughs> recorded. They yeah. were only allowed to record in the middle of the night. Yeah. They had to like yeah. hustle to get their shit in in the middle of the night, and then put their shit away for the morning when the yeah. real paying customers would come. Or like, you know, I think Sonic Youth said like Daydream Nation was the first record they actually had a budget mm-hmm. where they didn't have yeah. to fucking like bust ass to hustle to not spend too much money. Yeah. You know? So these bands like they barely got to be in these studios. They yeah. they uh they uh you know had to hustle, record as fast as possible, not really get to like dial in stuff. Like, you just had to get it on the fucking tape and, like, be done. And yeah. Get the fuck out, because it was, like, so much money per hour, you know? Yeah. That all ended, like, when, when, you, when you could get a, a laptop computer yeah. that could record multi-track, the whole studio business fucking collapsed. Right, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there's a, there was a way to capture what... Like, I, I, I love that Zen Arcade record, but I, I recognize that it's probably not, like recorded well or something. I'm not to like, listen to it. Think about the recording. Yeah, uh, but it, it's a it's a very weird sound and the, the guitar is way, way, oh, you know, like it takes up a lot of room, you know. It's good. So, you know, and then there's another S. There's like competing, like, like they're fighting each other. The like sound in charge of it. Like yeah. it's, it's like one person saying like my instrument has to be louder yeah. or not or uh, 
is the producer in charge of it or not? Yeah, from what I know, like, yeah, by, by Zen Arcade, they were not getting along at all. Like, so I think they were fighting a lot, you know? But yeah. I think that's a lot of what that band was, was like the clash of these, these right. two big, very big personalities, you know, like, but like underneath all that like noise and crap, there's all this melody, like all, there's all these tunes, you know? Yeah. From both of them, really. I'll you know, I'll that record. Yeah. But for whatever reason, like, yeah, to me, that, that Zen Arcade is totally tied to, like, art school years. And it's a really good painting record. It's nice. a really good oh, record. Oh, I, I got to go to You got to go. Yeah. See? You're still at it. I know. <laughs> so cool. Well, I got to go to band practice. <laughs> yeah. If, if your band members are listening, they'll, they'll know that you're Why on is the this way. live? <laughs> no, it's not. It's uh, not going to be up to like November. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Elliot. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, it was Appreciate time. it. <laughs>